hey, hey. Patrick Ali here, uh, the mortgage guy, coming with uh, another episode of Live on Real Estate. Uh, CP, always joining me, co-pilot. I like this dynamic. I feel yeah, like we're... Uh, it's good. I feel like we're... What episode uh, are we on? Uh, we're on... This is 95, right? You know what that means. That means, <laughs> that means we're one step closer. That's what I thought. To uh, the Thank 100th you. episode. I was going to save that for last today, but okay. that's fine. Oops, <laughs> so what's going sorry. on, man? You know, it is uh, it is soggy. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, there's a lot of puddles out I had to, there. You got to be careful. I had to wear my waders this morning. Yep. You got to be very very careful. Mm-hmm. You get stuck. You know. So here's my question: um, What goes through your mind when you're behind the wheel and you're about to enter into <laughs> one of these huge <laughs> huge ass puddles? Yeah. That is going to swallow you up and take you down because every time we have these right. kinds of floods. You see stranded yeah. cars right in the middle of it. Like what happens? Well, and it doesn't just have it doesn't just happen immediately. You're not just driving, you stop on the freeway and all of a sudden you get this like no, Jumanji esque. Absolutely. D- I mean you so, make the conscious decision like I'm I'm doing it. You know what like, it is? I'm, it's I'm like <laughs> I got sit, it. I got this. You sit like fifty <laughs> yards away from me, you go, I can make it. Yeah. I can make it. So then then you just bail. Then you just have to yeah. open your door, get out. Do so, that walk of shame in yeah. the, in that in that huge puddle and yeah. uh, and just wait to be well. There rescued. was there was in is that Florida or Louisa somewhere where there was a flood and the, a guy actually couldn't get out of his car because there was a gator that was in on the free, on the freeway yeah. in the flood water. So I asked my wife that question this morning, like. Who does that? And she, you yeah. know what she responded? Me. <laughs> she, no, me. She's like, you do. What are you talking about? You would be that guy. Yeah, but um, you have a Jeep, though. Yeah. Like, I, if I'm taking a Saturn, if I'm guy. taking a Saturn through the uh, through the water, that's not going to be too too good. Yeah. I don't think for anybody. So, anyways, let's uh, let's talk about what do you want to talk about today? I mean, we got a lot. We got a lot of stuff that's going on right now. I mean, interest rates are the same. Um, not a whole lot to talk about there. I think that. Well, oh, I think there is a little. I mean, we've got the Fed is is has been meeting and they're making their announcement today. Right. Uh, it's widely accepted that the announcement will state that they are not raising rates and they're not changing their stance. Yeah, uh, they continue to take this sort of patient attitude towards watching the economy and 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 treating interest rates. Uh, you know, what was it? It was a couple months ago they announced they're not raising rates. Or pulled back on the on the stance of raising interest rates, mm-hmm. which was good because we right. saw rates go down as a result. Um, since then, you know, I don't know. We have actually seen them kind of inch, 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 inch their way up a little yeah. bit. Um, but the announcement should come out today. Not raising rates, uh, yeah. which is obviously good news. In I mean, in your time in the industry, do you ever feel like this is kind of like the calm before the storm? I you don't. Know? I, I I'm the furthest thing from an economist, so right. Um, but I don't get any feeling of any type of storm. I think that we're yeah. just sort of calm. I, well, it's funny because like having conversations with you, and then having conversations with other mortgage people uh, in my career, I think over the time that I've been in the industry, is like you're very calm, cool, and collected about all of it. I mean, it's kind of like, hey, if the mar- if interest rates go up, it is what it is. Does that really stop you from buying a house? Does that stop you from having benefit in your mortgage? I mean. If you really get down to brass tacks and you think about like the folks that are refinancing, um, whether they're looking to save money monthly or they're getting cash out to pay off debts, I mean, you're stacking, even, we'll even say on the high end, you're stacking a 5% interest rate against 24, 25, 26% in interest on credit cards, yeah, you know, 12% right. on car loans. Right. I mean, realistically, I think it's very financially smart. And a lot of people ask the same question is like, well, 
now I'm basically rolling that money into my mortgage and I'm paying on that for 30 years. Won't that hurt me? I mean, the average human being in the in, or in the uh, average human being that that's a homeowner is refinancing or doing some adjustment with their life financially right. every three to five years. So the the likelihood of you being in that type of loan for long term is very very slim to none. Yeah, there's there's that uh, for sure, which is a hundred percent accurate. And I, I guess the other way I look at it is, you know, if we're talking about the the situation of of consolidating debt, for yeah. example. It, when you look at it in this like completely you know sterile environment of saying does it make sense to take this debt yeah. over here and stretch it out over thirty years over here, you know the answer is no. Right. But when you look at it in the real world, right? Tell me your plan of paying this debt off, mm. because people say, well, I'm gonna I'm just gonna pay off that credit card. Yeah. Really? How? Yeah, you know. <laughs> that is that's there, the, that's the most common answer. three of them here. They each have eight or nine thousand yeah. dollars on them. You you got them there somehow. Like, what's the actual plan? Because most right. people don't have it. And credit card interest, as we know, right. is is not simple interest like a mortgage. No, it's, it's compound not. interest. I mean, it's a bad, bad. You're, you're in a bad place when that's the case. I mean, it's very hard to pay that down. So, you know, in a sterile environment, like I said. Does it make sense? No, it can. You can make an argument that it doesn't. But when you look at it in a real world scenario, if, if you don't do this, what happens to this debt? Right. The reality of what happens to that debt is it continues to grow. Right. And Absolutely. it just sits there. And right. You're, and, you're, and it's going to compound, and, and it's going to be more and more, and you're never going to get out of it. But here's what I here's what kills me the most is when folks say, "Well, in a year that'll be paid off." Okay, that's great. But if we pay it off now, you right. can take that th- same three hundred and fifty dollars of physical cash. And put that away, yeah. or or just have it free every month. And right. but I think we have to kind of break down the the barrier of. I think a lot of people still, and, and this is just my opinion, but I think a lot of people still assume that if you're paying off debt, um, oh, if it's revolving debt or, or you know what I mean, uh, if you're paying that off, that you're paying it off and closing that out. Understand that, like when you pay off a debt, if I say, hey, I want to pay this credit card off completely. You know, we're writing you a check at the closing table. It's now your responsibility to either not spend any more money on that card right. to relieve the debt, or um, close that account if you want. I mean, right. I, I, we right. never. I mean, I would never recommend like, hey, if you have a ten-year-old account to close it, because right. obviously you're going to lose a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of what you've grown and you've built uh, in your credit and different right. things like right. that. But I think a lot of people still have that stigma that. If I'm paying something off, like you guys are closing the account and it's going to hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, all we can do is is advise and, mm. and set you up in the best possible spot. And then, you know, what you do from there is, you know. Right. Unfortunately, some people don't learn and they rack the debt right back up. And you yeah. know, then we talk to them again. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like that's that's the new the new age, uh, like 401k plan. Is yeah. I'm just going to refinance my mortgage and you know if i rack up a bunch of debt i'll call you in a year and we'll do it again and again and again and it's it's unfortunate to see that i mean it's like we don't i compare that and this is very extreme but i compare that to like when i was a when i was a medic like we would run on the same few people Mm. every time you know what i mean every day you you knew their name you knew what their situation was you knew how to treat a lot of times it was just Take them to the hospital, let them sober up, and call it a day. Right. And I obviously I don't compare like homeowners no, right, to, right. to you know drunk people, but it's still it's like kind of the same. It's that you have to you have to make a change at some point. So if you're gonna if you're gonna take cash out and you're gonna benefit yourself financially and save yourself a ton of money monthly and blah blah blah, you need to make sure that that debt is not being um, 
reallocated other places that it's not important to. We should ha- have a show dedicated to your careers I know, prior dude. to coming there's here. Lot, there's a lot of Every time I sit with you, I, f- I learn of a new one. I'm eclectic, man. Yeah. I just, I, it's all and over the place. I know about Frito-Lay. I, I know about um, uh, Panera. Yep. And now I just learned. So medic. Panera. So let's just break it down really quick. We'll do a quick. St- <laughs> no, we'll do a we're timeline. gonna save it for another. Okay, episode. cool. We'll sa- we'll do a whole two hour podcast <laughs> on that. I just I got a lot of experience in my life, man. That's I'm well good. rounded. It's helpful. So helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk about something that actually came out last week. I think it was last week, right? The mortgage minute, Jess. That was on last week's. Yes. It okay. Was. Cool. So last week, um, one of our fearless leaders, Chris Foster, um, finally came out of the cave and did a mortgage minute. And I think that this is super important because at least for the folks on our team, on our side of the building, we're talking about this all the time. And I've and I sat with you. I was at, lucky enough to be on your team as well. And I know that you basically talk about the same thing. You just don't yeah. structure it the exact same way. No, but it's very similar. And, right? and it's very, very similar the way that you explain it. And it's what we call the four quadrants of the transaction. And, yeah, and I it's think it's super important. Yeah, it's a breakdown of what goes into you know, the funds you need to bring to closing. What, what really, really, what are your, is your bottom line number when you buy a house and you're coming to the closing table, what is that number consist of? And an accurate representation, I think it educates the client a lot better. And it's, you know, here's the problem is like in our, in our industry, I think there's so much shit that's out there that like we can confuse people. It'd be like me talking to a doctor because that's one of the careers I've never done yet. Uh, yet. Medic. Medi- yeah, well, a medic, it's different. Anyway, <laughs> that's, so that's like an, well, never mind. We'll get into that. Anyway, um, you know, it's like me talking to a doctor. Like, they're going to say a bunch of medical terminology that I have no clue about. And that's right. how it is for us. For, I would say, the the stereotypical first-time home buyer, second-time home buyer that knows nothing about the industry. Right. And so it's a great educational piece that allows you to structure and explain the process um, I think almost to a T to get all of the ac- most accurate information out there and make sure that the client understands. Yeah, so let's uh, let's break it down. What uh, what are we talking? Yeah, about? so here's basically how we explain it. So if I'm talking to a client, um, you can be my client, Mr. Or Mrs. Client. You know, we look at the mortgage process in four quadrants. Your ba- rates are too high. Oh uh, well, we'll talk about rates in a minute. Uh, so <laughs> basically, four four quadrants. Number one, you have your down payment, and down payment it's going to be the same everywhere. And I think that that's a common misconception. Like if you're paying ten percent down on a mortgage, um, no matter where you go, that's based off of that purchase price. So you're going to pay that ten percent down no matter what. Okay, so uh, I got a hundred thousand dollar house. I'm putting ten percent down. I got ten grand. Ten grand doesn't matter Super where simple. I go. Who nope. I go with, I'm always putting. Exactly. Okay, got exactly. It. And then pretty, uh, you know, pretty simple. Really simple. And then when we get into like quadrant number two, and I'm just going to go this way, you talk about your title fees. Now, title is something that, you know, you have the ability, and I think a lot of people don't realize that you actually have the ability to shop for your title company. Most real estate agents and most mortgage companies have people they can refer okay. if needed. Um, what does the title company do? So title company is the one that's number one, prepping the title documents. They're getting accurate um, taxes back. Uh, and then they're basically doing all the back end paperwork to make sure that everything's being recorded and registered properly. Right. Okay. So they're dispersing all monies where they need to go. 100%. And, and they are providing title insurance yeah. to ensure that the house you are buying 100%. has a free and clear title. They're yeah. also insuring the lender 
that the house that they're lending on has mm-hmm. a free and clear title. And I think probably the most important part is they have some nice pens that you get to have afterwards. Yeah, that's not so bad. <laughs> um, and what that means as far as a free and clear title, yeah. that means that Patrick is buying this house that mm-hmm. you know Mr. Jones has owned for 15 years, and 10 years ago he put a new roof on it. Yeah, and there's a lien. You know, he didn't like the roofer because it took him too long, so he said, screw you, I'm not paying you. Right. Mr. Roofer slapped a lien against that property because he says, sooner or later, this guy's going to give me my money. We got to make sure that that kind of stuff doesn't exist. There are no additional liens against the property. You do not want to buy a home and inherit someone else's, you know, debt, basically. How how long do you think it takes, like, just in your experience, how long do you think it takes probably for title, like an average? Probably five days for title work to be yeah, processed, unless Maybe. something comes up where yeah. it has to be addressed. Maybe, yeah. Like five days. So, you know, down payment doesn't take any time in your process. Title work probably is five days. Yeah, a week. Yeah, and then you get into what we consider like your lender costs. And what lender costs basically are processing and underwriting. That's to pay the people to do their job and to pay the pro- you know underwriter to actually well, hold on underwrite. a minute. Before we get into that, let's go back okay. to title. Okay. So what, what kind of fees should we expect? Now, we said title costs. They're going to conduct a closing. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're going to provide this title insurance that apparently we need. So um, you're talking about like owner's title and... Well, yeah. Like, so you're the buyer. Like, how much money are you coming out of pocket with? Well, I, it's it's all dependent on the actual title company. But I mean, in my experience, it's usually like, I don't know, anywhere from, I'd say, seven, 700 bucks to like 1000 bucks yeah, as so part the, of the transaction. Would you most, say the same? The title insurance is a function of the loan size. Right. So, and all title companies are pretty... Pretty regulated and pretty equal. Um, yeah. So those costs are going to be a function of the loan size. The actual closing fee itself, the settlement right. we'll fee, see your settlement. You know, fee. that's 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 a, a standard cost, and I've seen them anywhere from what three fifty to five hundred bucks. Yeah, three fifty to five fifty. Okay. And understand too, like you know, I think a lot of people assume that these things are free to them because they're buying a house. Right. Like there are folks, you know, that have to do this stuff. There are folks whose job it is to make sure that you know, number one, your transaction is smooth but also that you're able to close and you're able to prep documents. And, and a lot of people right. look at that as like, well, that's background noise anyway. That should be a part of my down payment. All you're really going, kind of even going back further to your down payment, your down payment is just your initial, what we call the skin in the game. That's your initial yeah. equity you're putting position. putting that money down on the, on the home. You're right, and you're committing yourself to buying. it for 100 and you're borrowing 90 and that $10,000 is your down payment. Right. All right, so let's move <clears> forward. So we've got our ten grand down. We've mm-hmm. got our title costs, which if I were buying this $100,000 house, we're going to say they're about $1,000. Yeah, 1000 bucks to be safe. Between the title insurance and then the actual closing yep. fee. Okay. And then and then you have uh, what we call a lender cost. And basically what lender cost is, again, we talk about our processing and underwriting. I think it's kind of standard in the industry anywhere from like 1000 bucks to $1,500. We'll just throw yeah. it there. It just depends on the company that you're working with. Yep. Um, and then you have things like your appraisal. Yep. Um, you have your, uh, what am I missing here? Uh, like uh, a credit report, credit report fee, or a yeah, flood yeah. certification fee. Right. So appraisals know. typically anywhere like five hundred bucks. I mean, most people collect. I've, from what I understand, most people collect five hundred bucks. Sometimes they're less than they could right. be four seventy five, and you know that's credited back at closing and all that stuff. But if we take five hundred bucks for to be safe, credit reports. I mean, it just kind of depends on what they are or what they cost or what that service is. Again, that's another that's another going into that's a third party service. It's yep. not really up to a lender. Right. It's just whoever their credit reporting service is and whoever their appraisal management company is. Right. That's who makes those costs okay. for you. Okay. So we've got, you know, some type of an origination charge or whatever the lender's charging to do the actual loan. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, processing, underwriting, origination, those are all kind of interchangeable. Uh, you've got appraisal, and then you've got a couple other miscellaneous things, credit report, flood cert, tax service, all these, mm -hmm. you know, other little things. So we're probably talking, what, maybe two grand for those things? Yeah. On average? Somewhere around there, yeah. Okay. So you're so looking our, our like lender 13. costs are around 2000 Our title costs are maybe around 1000 mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then lastly, you know, as part of that, that four quadrant talk is like your, your prepaids and your escrow. And this is where it gets kind of confusing, I think, for people because okay. uh, they don't understand. And it's, and it's tough to explain. I mean, unless you really break it down piece by piece, which, which I like to say that we do, but um, your escrow account is something that's going to pay. If you choose to escrow, it's something that's going to pay your taxes and your insurance when those items are due. Right. Um, that's, that's something that you can't get around. You have to have homeowner's insurance. You have to have taxes. You know what I mean? And that's something you have to pay. Now, I think that a common misconception for a lot of people is like they ask within the first year, so I'm going to go a little bit ahead just on, on escrow, within the first year, they're like, well, why after year one my taxes went up? And I think what a lot of people don't realize, and this is something I, I feel like we do really well at, is that we explain the fact that, you know, if you have, you know, CP has been in his house for 20 years, right, and the house hasn't been assessed in 10 years because he's just been there so long, um, and then you have me coming to buy your house, there's going to be what's called a homestead on the home. Basically, what that means is that if you're physically living in the home, Typically, your taxes are, and what would you say, like 40% less, 30 40% Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what happens is your your home does get assessed every year, right. but it, the taxable value is capped. Yeah. So the longer you live there, the more discrepancy there will be between the assessed value of the house and the actual taxable value. Yeah. Um, so if someone's lived in their house a long time, the taxes are, you know, being being capped each year, right. so they're less. You sell the home, it gets reassessed, and right. then the taxable value gets reassessed also. So you kind of wipe the slate clean and start right. over again. Which, again, we know that buying a house in 1998 versus buying a house in 2019, you know, there's probably going to be some kind of adjustment. And that I think that that's just important to educate people on. Right. Of explaining that up front and making sure that they understand Correct. it. Okay. And then you have this other piece that a lot of people talk about, and that's your prorations. And what your prorations are, just to explain to Do everybody. Do a lot of people really talk about prorations? Well, when, when you mention it, they ask you what it is. So, that, I mean, that's part of that, you know, that's part of your prepaids. Um, and when we have that conversation, maybe I just explain it to no, everybody. I'm kidding. Yeah, I've, been, I've been around you too long, so I explain it to right. everyone. So, basically, what prorations are in a simple form is that a, a seller owns a home, they pay their tax bill at certain times of the year, and in Michigan, at least in Michigan, other than I think we talk about a couple counties, all taxes are paid in the beginning, in all the way through. They're paid yeah. in advance all the way through the following uh, tax year. Correct. Our tax date, should I say. So what that means is, is and we're going to make it really simple. If I, if I have a house and I pay my taxes from January to January, mm -hmm. and I live in that home from January to April, mm -hmm. okay, that's only four months that I've actually lived in the home. As a buyer, you're now responsible for the other eight, that's eight months yes. that I haven't been in the home. Simple math, I know. Yes. Yeah, so you paid it in January. It's not due until next January. However, the buyer comes in in April. Mm. He is going to reimburse you right. for the taxes that you've already paid, a prorated figure. He right. will reimburse you. So these are the prorations. So anytime you purchase a home, 
Not only are you putting money into an escrow account for future taxes to be paid, but you're also reimbursing the seller for taxes they've already paid. Right. So you need to plan on paying a full year's worth of taxes. Right. Potentially even a little bit more. I think 13, you know, 13 Between to what goes into months, the yeah. escrow account and what goes back to the seller to reimburse them, plan on that full year's worth of taxes. So in our example here, $100,000 house, we'll say the taxes are two grand. Right. You're paying two grand, 2100 something like that. Right. Uh, is going to come out of your pocket at this closing. Right. Okay. Right. So, and then, you know, there's, I think there's other features of the, going kind of going back just to, to, first off, to just talk about the four quadrants again. So down payment yep. is money that you pay. That's your money. Title work is something that you're paying to a title company yep. to do their job, third party. Lender cost, again, something that's third party because that's your appraisal, your credit report, right. uh, processing underwriting. Yep. Escrow account. Your money. Escrow account. So let's go back on this escrow yeah. thing. So we talked about the tax portion of the escrow account, but there's also homeowners insurance. Yeah. And when One you of my come many and, careers, and purchase a when you go and purchase a house, you're coming to the closing with a paid in advance policy of homeowners insurance right. for one full year. So we're, we're using our April example. You close in April, you're gonna bring a, a paid receipt or you're gonna pay it at closing right. that says my home is insured from April 2019 to April 2020. Yeah. So that's additional money that's coming out of your pocket. Again, right. it's not money that comes to us. Right. Uh, it's not a fee. It's you need homeowners insurance. Right. So. So let's talk about let's talk about the fees that are involved. I mean, I think that a lot of folks want to know, like, okay, well, why are some people more expensive than others? And I think here's here's the thing is that when we talk about because because we already broke it down, we know that. Down payment, title, escrow prepaids are going to be exactly the same, if not right within a few dollars and cents. When we start breaking down why certain interest rates cost more and why people pay more than other folks and stuff like that, I mean, what is something that you're having a conversation with people about when they do ask those questions? I think it's more so around rate related, but... Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Great point. Your interest rate, I mean, there's a whole spectrum of interest rates available to all of us. Right. And those rates come with different costs or, in some cases, credits. And what influences those things is your individual personal situation. Right. So your down payment. More money down usually means a little better interest rate. Right or less money to get a certain interest rate. Credit, really good credit versus mm -hmm. really bad credit, those interest rates are all still available, but right. if you've got shitty credit, yeah. you're going to pay a lot more money to get that rate than someone who's got great credit. Right, so. and well, and that's another great point, too, is like, you know, we have these conversations all the time with folks, and they want to know why, well, this company gave me a conventional loan, and you gave me an FHA loan. Yeah. You know, understand that, that I, I hate to say it like this, but... That really goes down to the, the professional, I think, the professional level more than anything of, of what the loan officer's opinion is of that situation. And here's the thing. If you're somebody that has 640 credit and you're yeah. trying to apply for a conventional loan, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it might make sense for you short or in the short term because now you have a conventional loan. You know, appraisals are a little bit more lenient. Guidelines are a little bit more lenient. But here's the problem is that at the end of the day, there's always going to be that risk factor there. And if that risk factor isn't low enough on an investor or the secondary markets, you know, in their right. opinion and the people that are meeting to make up our rules, they're always going to make you pay more. So like perfect example, had a client that is 640 credit or 650 credit, I'm sorry, 
uh, did a conventional loan. The conventional loan actually ended up being almost a full percent higher in interest rate. Yeah, for sure. Because of the credits, and the, really the the risk factor was, I mean, down payment's always a big thing because most people are putting less than twenty percent, yep. which is fine. But the credit score being as low as it was, which again, that's an average score. I don't think that that's horrible, but it put them in what's called an FHA elite bucket, which that FHA right. elite bucket now is they're looking at low 4% as yep. opposed to low 5%. Yeah, uh, th- it's interesting, but the mid 600s, which was always no problem, conventional mortgage, yeah. now, especially for someone who's putting less than, you know, we'll say 10% down. Right. That's an FHA loan all day because, like you said, the interest rate is going to be higher. Yeah. The costs are going to be more on a conventional loan. And the PMI, the PMI is going to be more than it would be on an FHA loan. Right. So, yeah, I mean, those are, uh, those need to be, you need to look at FHA when you're anywhere from probably even 660 and below. Well, and and here's the thing is like, if, if it makes sense for you and you want to do conventional or you want to go that route, no, but we're never going to be the person to tell you, like, hey, you can't do it. No, right? we're going to show you both options. Right. You do qualify always, for both loans. Right. We're always going to tell you, you know, and I, I would hope that any professional in the industry yeah. would give you both options and always make hope. sure that you're you're well, uh, well versed in both sides of the, the, uh, the coin. But at the same time, it's just what makes more sense for you. Um, short term and long term, because, again, that goes back to a lot of these a lot of people think like if I'm being a house today, the next 30 years, I'm paying this mortgage. Right. It's not the case. It's more or less. I wish I almost wish you could do like ten, five year mortgages with the option hmm. to extend the 30. Yeah, right. You know what I'm right. saying? And uh, the reason why is like most people truly are within a year. And that's part of what I'm doing right now yeah. is going back through. And part of my job is going back through all of our past clients that we've closed when you know the market was higher. And yeah. we're talking to them and having conversations about, that's, hey, listen, we can lower the interest rate now. Well, that's definitely also part of the professionalism. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, what we do as a lender is we monitor your loan for, for life. You know, right. You're a client for life. I mean, just because we did your loan eight months ago doesn't mean we're not paying attention to what are the market conditions now. Right. Checking in what is your situation and maybe there's an opportunity. Right. Um, all right. So I want to wrap up our, our, our thing there. So mm-hmm. we, we put 10000 down. We paid $1,000 for title costs. Yep. We paid $2,000 for lender costs. Mm-hmm. Our taxes are two grand. Mm-hmm. Our homeowner's insurance that we needed to pay in advance is how much? Uh, like, I don't know. I'd say probably 1200 bucks. Yeah, we'll say 1000 Yeah. So, all right. What What's my bottom line number? What? Ten. Set, so it's what? 10? 10. 1? Yeah. So it's 11. It is 11. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. My other job, I was a math teacher. So that's what? 17 grand? Uh, I believe you are correct. Yeah, about seventeen grand. That is. It's all said and done. So, all okay. said and done. About seventeen grand. And and again, understand too that, um, just because seventeen grand is on paper, is that seventeen? Yeah. I don't know. Do the quick math, Jess, if you could. It's ten. It's eleven. It's uh, two grand in cost is thirteen. Two grand in taxes is fifteen. And, and a grand thousand in, in homeowners oh, insurance, so we're sixteen. Sixteen. I like 16. to. I listen. I like the you Worst know case scenario. Yeah, under promise, over deliver. That's what I'm all about. All right. So, anyways, <laughs> no, that's good. So, don't call me if you need them. No, I'm just kidding. Right. Um, but again, you know, there's uh, there's also other pieces of that puzzle that go into, and I think that might be actually a good one for our next podcast is to talk about the real estate side of that transaction. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll tie it in next week with uh, with Tim on the podcast. 
um, and just talk about what can be done on the real estate side of the transaction, what can also be done on the lender side, because there are things like lender credits and all that stuff. And we could yeah. go, oh, yeah, we could go sure. on and on and on and on. But I mean, that's to give you a good idea of exactly what goes on with your mortgage yep. and how it works and how, how you make that, uh, that monthly expense, but also at the same time, how you make it um, to the closing table. Yep. And I think it's really good. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I, really, I really truly think that education is like the most important thing. Uh, and I know that this, this podcast today is more or less just us kind of talking about uh, this transaction and, and spitballing things back and forth. But I think it's always important every once in a while to allow people to understand um, you know, what goes into this. And I feel like this is kind of like therapy for Jess. I feel like she oh, just right. sits here and she learns and like yep. one day she's going to buy a house and she'll have the most kick-ass mortgage that she ever could. It's the truth. It's the truth. All right, very good. <laughs> well, yeah, and if I, obviously if anyone has questions about this kind of stuff or wants to get into more detail of, of how we look at it, how we explain it, what it might mean for your situation, we are certainly available to do that. That's mm-hmm. uh, it's actually what we do for a living. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, that's awesome. That's all. You got anything else today? No, but uh, I was thinking we might as well go get your car out of that puddle. So right. let's, uh, <laughs> I'll we take, gotta get, we got to get moving. I got to get the boat, man, and go back <laughs> and get my car. Anyway, so that's another episode of uh, Live on Real Estate. Jess is laughing at me over here in the corner, and that's okay. Um, any questions? You know, here's the thing is that we talk about this a lot, and, you know, we have agents on all the time and other, other guests on, and give them a call. If you have any questions about mortgages, about real estate, it's a very open forum. I feel like the way we are in the podcast, people don't realize that outside of this, this is exactly how we are yeah. out there, you know? And, and it's like almost an intimidation thing of like, oh, well, this person's probably like, you know, super salesy. Listen, it's your mortgage. You have to make that mortgage payment. I yeah. don't. I just want to educate you. Yeah. Phone lines are open. Always. Always. And what is our phone number? Two four eight three zero eight five thousand. Yeah, that's Correct. right. Give us a call. And we have billboards now, too, by the way, which I'm super pumped about. Anyways. All right. So that's another episode of Live on Real Estate in the books. Join us uh, next week as Tim Martin from Keller Williams is going to hang out with us. He's going to drop some knowledge bombs, and I'm, I'm super excited to have him. Um, and any questions, again, two four eight three zero eight five thousand. 308 Ask for uh, CP and Patrick. I think that'd be cool. Just get like a caller in. Anyway. You guys have a great day, and uh, we'll see you next time.